Welcome back to the episode of the Shootable Podcast. As always, brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. We are a couple hours away from the biggest football game, professional football game in South Florida history over the past 15 years. Tua Tugavailoa is making his first NFL start. But before you guys, you know, feast on the future franchise quarterback of the Finns, let's get you caught up with South Florida's college team, specifically the FAU Owls. Eric Henry, FIU beat writer for SB Nation on hand with all everything FAU recruiting, FAU Owls Nest insider Shane Marinelli, who was there live at the ballgame. Big win for the Owls. It's one that I definitely had my eyes on as I was making the trip down to South Florida for just for a little bit of recreation, a little bit of fun. No FIU football there, but definitely had a chance to watch that game as I was making the way down. A 24-3 victory, a really a resounding victory over a up-and-coming UTSA team, 4-4. Four and four. They, uh, the Owls send them to four and four. UTSA had a chance to go to five and three. I think one of the biggest things that I was looking to see is that a team that had played seven games versus a team that had played two games. How would that affect the Owls? Shane has been big on this podcast, both on air and off air, about the challenges that FAU has faced in terms of practicing and getting a chance to put that out there on the field, being shorthanded. Was glad to see the Owls come up with a resounding victory. Shane, you were there. Uh, at the uh, FA, at FAU Stadium. Just what were your major takeaways from the uh, really resounding victory? I mean, just, you know, FA, UTSA had their chances, but all in all, this was really a solid win for FAU. Yeah, I think well, with only a couple games, the, the biggest takeaway is only a couple games, you're not sure. Uh, and I think we kind of had this feeling after the Marshall game, especially with there being so many guys out on defense, is, is FAU's front seven is for real, for real. Like, really good. Uh, goes to show what us, you know, talk all summer, us, you know, so-called experts know. And that was my biggest concern for FAU. After all the turnover, losing, you know, tons of seniors on that defensive line. Leighton McCarthy was really, like, the only vet coming back. Uh, Keith Leroy is out this year. Uh, you know, we didn't know who was going to play linebacker. And uh, on the defensive line, for FAU this year. We had some ideas, but just no one could have expected this type of production this early. Uh, Jalen Joyner is, and I said it, he's someone who played a little bit as a fresh, as a freshman played in four games last year, got hurt. The mystery remainder of the year. And I said, well, he's a guy there. FAU's going to kind of have to depend on to step up. And Eric, he's been a man eater so far with four and a half stacks from you know, not the defensive end position, the inside, you know, that that's difficult uh, for that type of production. A task, a defensive tackle, kind of three technique defensive end. Uh, and, you know, everybody just did what it needed to do against a pretty solid a team that could, you know, win the West maybe, uh, and just did what it needs to do. I mean, it, obviously tons of things still to improve on. Uh, I, you know, I think we're a little limited yeah, Tronti did what he needed to do. Uh, I thought he, you know, played his best game yesterday. Uh, you slowly getting better every week, which is to be expected. But you know that he's not—he's not Chris Robinson, and you know that's not a slight on him. But you know, certainly enough to get it done with Epi's uh, uh, defense at this point. A reason that I'm optimistic, especially coming out coming off of this game, excuse me, is because of the fact that FAU lost so much heading into the offseason. You know, we had no idea really as far as defensively was concerned what this team may look like. You know, Shane kind of talked about some guys who if this guy fits in well or if this guy steps up and, you know, this, that and the other. There was a lot of ifs more more so than, you know, surefire things yet. 
the talent rose, you know, really rose to the occasion. And listen, UTSA is a really good football team. I know they they are four and four in defense rebuilding, but Frank Harris is a talented guy. They got a lot of talented guys on defense, Savion Harris, Trevor Harmons, and Antonio Parks, et cetera. And coming into this game, we talked about, you know, what the FAU defense would be able to do against Sincere McCormick, who is the nation's leading rusher. I mean, that's a heck of a performance. I mean, you look at Sincere McCormick's numbers here, 16 carries, 54 yards, 3.4 yards per carry, along of eight. He couldn't get going all game. Now, granted, part of that was because of the fact that FAU had the uh, the the roadrunners really in first and, and behind the chains, first and long, second and long, third and long most of the game. But still, all things considered, I'm not putting this one on Frank Harris. I remember saying this to Shane, uh, or I think I may have tweeted this out. Uh, no one should look at this game and say, hey, this was if, if UTSA had Josh Adkins or if Lowell Narcisse was starting, this might be a different game. No, I mean, I think this was one that FAU's defense shut down the UTSA offense, as opposed to the other way around. Shane, want to ask you this really quickly. You know, we'll do a couple uh, quick hits on the game here and then maybe kind of take a look at some big picture things. From your perspective, how optimistic is it or, or, or how you know encouraging is it for you to see the fact that Nick Tronti doesn't have his best game? You know, 11 and 19, a buck 36, one touchdown. But the running backs, Malcolm Davidson is still one of the premier backs in Conference USA, 14 carries for 115. The you know defensive line you talked about it you know Leighton McCarthy gets a sack Jalen Joyner gets a three sacks Chris Jones gets a pair of sacks and just the fact that like I, I kind of mentioned there off the top it was guys who were really waiting to see what they may do and apparently you know so far at least in you know the, short, the small sample size of three games they're blossoming into what appears to be some pretty solid talents. Oh, absolutely. I mean. Malcolm Davidson, let, let's just start there. Uh, Willie Taggart, and there's been kind of some mystery around the FAU and why his carries were limited the first couple games. Uh, and it, it, people would go back, they were limited last year. Uh, he, he really did. He was starting kind of lower on the depth chart last year in their lane. And Willie said this as lightly as possible in the press conference. He's like, I, I don't want to sound, sound you know, like I'm insulting him or make it sound bad, but the best way to put it is, let's just say Malcolm Davidson puts out a Superman cape from practice to the games. And it, it seems like maybe that was clear. You know, it, it took Lane maybe a few games to figure that out last year. And maybe it took Willie Taggart to see that, you know, Malcolm Davis is just, isn't, uh, FAU's really banged up at running back. BJ Emmons didn't go yesterday. He was a game time decision. Larry McCammon has an ankle sprain. He's probably out a few weeks. Uh, it's, it's, they've needed all the depth, but yeah, guys, like every guy that we've kind of needed to step up, uh, has stepped up the Jalen Joyners. How about Chase Laster, who I think maybe is, is had 24 tackles in his first two games. I don't have exactly in front of me how many tackles he had yesterday. Uh, he was a guy out all last year with a back injury, uh, and it, we some people weren't sure if his football career was even going to continue with that back injury. There was some question to it, and he's kind of come in and it's just been uh, a big hitter, uh, just a uh, run game stuffer. Um, kind of in replace of Akias Leroy, uh, Eddie Williams, a young linebacker who played yet, you know, has been really good so far in the rotation. And I also want to point out Roman Mungin, who's starting opposite of Zion Gilbert. Zion Gilbert, I think is definitely going to be an NFL guy after this season. Um, true sophomore starting at co- uh, corner, you know, he's had his ups and downs. Uh, he, he's had dropped two interceptions, um, <laughs> Had an interception yesterday that was called back from an offside and had another chance at a pick yesterday. So, I mean, he, he's played well despite them asking a lot. And, you know, you know, we'll say this, and it's completely different 
and Eric, I want to just see this watching uh, FE's defense this year compared to last year with Glenn Spencer and Jim Levitt. Jim Levitt's much more of a riverboat gambler to say, puts a lot more for Aston's corners to do a lot more, <laughs> kind of isolates them sometimes. And I mean, I, I said in the Nest podcast, man, FAU blitzes has probably blitzed more in their first two games than they did all under Glenn Spencer last year. Shane, I want to ask you two big picture questions, and I'm going to try to combine them into one question here. Looking at the rest of FAU schedule, Western Kentucky, a team that, quite frankly, they couldn't look further than the team they were last year. A lot of that probably has to do with some of the losses on offense, specifically at the quarterback position. You got the, uh, the FIU Panthers, who we all know that's a team that's struggling right now. Middle Tennessee, and then they finish up with Georgia Southern, a team that, uh, you know, they don't look particularly like world beaters. Sure Real caveat to that. I- yeah, but you also might add UMass in the middle of that as well, too. So that, that's not officially announced yet, but it could be. Okay, well, the, the mi- week. Uh, FAU fans yeah, have, doesn't uh, add anything. have zero reason to fear the mighty Minutemen who, quite frankly, no disrespect, <laughs> to Walt, no, no, no disrespect to Walt Bell. What he's doing in scheduling these games, they could accomplish it in spring practice. I digress. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you look at the rest of the schedule, right? So let's even add UMass on there. Two-part question here. I'm going to try to combine it into one. A, you expect FAU. It's maybe not you expect, but it's a reasonable expectation for FAU to go five and zero the rest of the way out. And B, how damn frustrating is it again, Marshall? Because if they do, if they go five and out, five and zero, uh, and win out, you know, FAU CUSA champs if they win that Marshall game. Yeah, so, um, East, I'm sorry, it, 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 that's going to be the ultimate frustration. I mean, FAU knows that. It, it, the the one game, if they end up playing that schedule, the one game that really, truly mattered. Um, and, and the, you know, they could also make up games for Southern Miss, possibly, you know, they have Georgia Southern on there, which is, you know, Georgia Southern's a nice, could be, who knows. But it, it will be a frustration for FAU fans to know that the one game they truly mattered, they were down 28 players. And, you know, uh, it, and lost the game that they were into that, that was, you know, it was pretty much a one score game, most of the game. And, you know, it, it, and I see it now, uh, like many off season debates that if, you know, Charlotte, if Marshall goes on and wins out and FAU wins out and Marshall wins a asterisk conference USA titles, which it will be. Um, it's, it, it's just frustrating to know that the game that truly mattered for the conference USA title was the game that FAU played players down. And, you know, that, that will definitely carry conversation into next year. I absolutely agree with you. I think that's a reasonable frustration. You know, I've given you a hard time off air and on, and on air about that Marshall game. But I think it's absolutely reasonable frustration that the one game, like you said, that really mattered, FAU went in there shorthanded. And quite frankly, I, I think I said this on your last podcast, while Marshall won and, you know, kudos to Doc Holliday and, and Brendan Knox and company wasn't like they blew FAU out of the water. That's a game that, quite frankly, if FAU was as shorthanded as uh, uh, they say they were, the reason I say that is because Doc Holliday saw it a little bit differently from his, from his vantage point. Excuse me. Um, Marshall should have beaten them by 40 points instead of the 11. That's so, Doc Holliday, but that's Doc Holliday knowing the situation, knowing that in his head and trying to change the narrative a little bit. Right. I, that's what that was. Oh, we're missing I'm, guys I'm, too. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, not, I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with you, Shane. Um, I mean, Doc Holliday has always been a straight shooter with me, but I'm not going to disagree with you. And I'll say this, the direct quote and, you know, this audio or, or this quote is courtesy of the Learfield IMG uh, Marshall Network there. I want to make sure I, I 
credit them. I said this to Shane uh, off air earlier last week. The direct quote um, in Doc Holliday's Monday press conference was that uh, it, it appeared as, as as if they were told that FAU had um, you know up to 35 guys missing, and and Doc Holliday said it, it looked like to me, quite frankly, that you know we had more guys missing on our sideline than them. Uh, you know, I haven't seen the All 22 film, but that's a that's a Doc perspective. Anyhow, that point aside, Shane, heading into <laughs> next year. You know, heading into next year, and I think we can do a, a much longer podcast on this as the season progresses. But I'm really optimistic, Shane, in that I asked you this earlier today. Tell me why I'm wrong. FAU will be held back from a CUSA title by a quarterback uh, situation. And granted, there's many months of that to play out, so we can get into that in the offseason. But outside of the quarterback position, Shane, I look at all the returning talent for, for FAU and potential in 2021. And I have to consider them a favorite in Conference USA. And let's even add to this. Like, you know, we just talked about a couple of things. The, but the young linebackers that are playing really well next year, what happens when Akeith Leroy and, um, the, and FAU has, uh, tran- will be transferring and, and probably getting to campus in January? Keyshawn Green, who is uh, pretty much a hair outside a five-star linebacker, um, it was the number, like, I think the number one or top, he was top five rated inside linebacker in the country. Um, and only spent a summer at Nebraska before transferring. So he'll come in next year, um, next year. And then, so now you have possibly uh, a linebacking core that's just completely stupid loaded, um, you know, and they're recruiting well. And, but I will say this though, I mean, Eric, you, with the way college football is and, FAU, we know for now, has Shador Sanders committed, and regardless if he sticks or not, do you fully expect FAU's quarterback situation to look exactly like it does now next year? Or it, it, probably to be a 180 difference. I mean, is that a safe assumption? I, listen, I can't go 180, but I expect it to look different. And this is what I will say, and this is kind of something I was thinking about before we started taping, Shane. I think next year, and FAU is a team, quite frankly, that comes to mind in the forefront of my mind when I make this statement – we always talk about G5s in the sense of what separates a G5 from a P5, right? You can talk about size difference, et cetera, et cetera. The main thing is depth, right? And if you look at what FAU is returning, the young talent that is getting valuable reps now and what they'll be bringing in, and in addition to what you're kind of hitting at, which is you know, a potential addition in the quarterback room from the transfer portal or whatever it may be. Essentially, the quarterback room will look different than it is than it looks now. I think you got to look at FAU as – quite frankly, a team that can make a really strong push next year for, you know, I, I don't want to say a new year six, maybe that's something you got to uh, evaluate as time goes on, but they can make a really strong push to be head and shoulders above the rest of CUSA. I think that's fair. Yeah. And it, like, and we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but sure, sure. And things change drastically year to year, but right now on the surface, who in conference USA is, you know, uh, going to make, you know, drastic improvements. I mean, Conference USA right now is just, it's not great. I, I think we need to do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> but I will say next year does, might come down. And I'm really curious, and I, I'm probably going to ask this question to Willie Taggart and others in FAU soon. Um, how do you balance the, ex, you know, the ability to give guys an extra year? You know, do you bring five seniors back? Do you bring 10 seniors back? You know, will there be pressure? You know, what if, you know, 
because there, there's a financial thing to this, and this, this is tough for everybody in the country right now, and especially G5 programs. You got to remember, you have 85 scholarship players, and you're, you're maxed out. Well, if you're a team that decides that it sounds great to be like, oh, we'll bring back this DB, these two offensive linemen that's running back, and next thing you know, the AD has an extra a, 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 to pay for a football player for a year is about roughly twenty thousand dollars, okay, in scholarship. Okay, so if Willie Taggart says, well, we want these 10 players to come back, okay, offensive line, a safety, a receiver, you know, Brian Wright is going to be like, that's $200,000, you know what I mean? And and that's, that's something to expect to be difficult when financially schools are really stricken right now. And I really wonder how it's going to play out in the offseason when – you have a coach saying, well, Marshall decided to bring back every senior. Or, oh, do, do, you know, do we really want to be the team that only brings back two? Now we're at a huge competitive disadvantage. You know, I, I really want to see how that plays out. Fans of the Shula Bowl pod have wanted in, you know, an overreaction from Eric. They've wanted, you know, some type of hyperbole. I've just given it to you. Uh, coming off a win against UTSA, I've now slotted FAU as the team to beat in all of G5 football heading to next year. With that being said, thank you for listening to Shield Bowl Podcast. We will be back with you later this week with hopefully a joint preview of FAU and FIU. As always, you can find this podcast at Shula Bowl Pod on Twitter, at the number five reason sports on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. You can find Shane on Twitter, which I absolutely recommend FAU, FIU, or G5 follow. Otherwise, for great content at Marinelli Shane and find our other co-host who is somewhere doing something, probably getting ready for the fans game at Mr. Hondo three, two, one. Thanks for listening. All feedback is welcome and happy football watching through Sunday.